Hi everyone, welcome to the Tomorrow's Publishing Podcast. I am your host, Chris Marshall, and welcome to what is really the version 2.0 of the Tomorrow's Podcast. If you have been a subscriber to the show previously, well, you know it kind of went away for a little bit, but it is back on track, and everybody here at Tomorrow's Publishing is really excited about it. This officially is show number six for the month of March 2008, and if you want to, if you subscribe through iTunes, or if you go to the Tomorrow's TuneIn Podcast page, then you will see that you can get all the previous episodes, including a bonus episode, which is from the late Will Eisner, talking about his life in comic books. A little bit of information regarding myself before we get into the show. If you recognize my voice, that is no mistake. I have been a podcast host for over three years at my podcast, which is the Collected Comics Library. And on my show, I focus on collected editions of all types, whether it be hardcover, softcovers, a few graphic novels here and there, but I do reviews and information. And I also run down the new releases of collected editions from all major companies and independent companies as well. You can read more about it and subscribe to my podcast and blog at CollectedComicsLibrary.com. And now you can find me here at Tomorrow's TuneIn Podcast, and all the information on this podcast and the company can be found at Tomorrow's.com. If you are new to Tomorrow's Publishing, let me give you a little introduction about who we are. Here at Tomorrow's, we publish some great magazines and periodicals for not only the creators, but for the fans as well. A few of the magazines that we have here include Alter Ego, focusing on Golden and Silver Age comics and creators with articles, interviews, and unseen art. Draw, the professional how-to magazine about comics, cartooning, and animation. Right now, offering tips and lessons on writing for comics. Back Issue Magazine, which we'll get to in a few minutes with Michael Urie, focusing on comics of the 1970s and 80s and today, Rough Stuff, which celebrates the art of creating comics, and Brick Journal Magazine, which is the ultimate resource for Lego enthusiasts of all ages. In addition, Tomorrow's publishes some highly respected award-winning trade paperbacks encompassing a wide variety of interests, including the companion series of books, which is the ultimate resource for background on fan-favorite series, and the Modern Masters series of books celebrating the lives and work of today's greatest comic artists. Finally, probably the magazine that we're most proud of here at Tomorrow's is the Jack Kirby Collector. And the Jack Kirby Collector is going on issue 50 coming up in April. And we want to tell you a little bit about that magazine because that's going to be a really, really special one coming up for us here. The Jack Kirby Collector celebrates the life and career of the King of Comics through interviews with Kirby himself and his contemporaries. Feature articles and rare unseen Kirby artwork is also included, and it comes in a nice tabloid size format. And like I said, issue 50 is coming up in April, and that is going to be a complete retrospective of Kirby's career in comics, including the best Kirby stories published each year from 1938 through 1987, and the best covers from each decade as well. We're also including Jack's 50 best unused pieces of art 
and his 50 best character designs. In keeping with the 50 theme, we are going to have profiles of and commentary by the 50 people most influenced by Kirby's work. Plus, there's a 50-page gallery of Kirby's powerful raw pencil art and a deluxe color section of photos and finished art from throughout his entire half-century career. It's going to be 168 pages and feature a previously unseen Kirby Superman cover, which is actually being inked by Darwin Cook, who, of course, is famous for a lot of things, including the DC New Frontier. It's going to have a wonderful introduction by longtime Kirby friend Mark Evanier, who actually did a lot of work in putting this retrospective together. A percentage of the profits will be donated to the Jack Kirby Museum and Research Center. Let's get to a little bit of the news. And speaking of the companion books and all the books here at Tomorrow's Publishing, we're having a great sale for you guys. Starting immediately, all new and old items here at Tomorrow's are always 15% off the cover price. So whether you miss something or you want to pre-order something new, you know you're going to get a really great deal. And while you're visiting the Tomorrow site, you may want to take a look at those pre-orders with the new free 2008 catalog that we have. You can get it in both print form, or if you want, there is a PDF form available on the website. It's a really great interactive file. You can just download, and everything is hotlinked, and you'll be taken right to the item that you want. And finally, our updated web store now calculates exact weight-based postage on your order, so no more per-item shipping charges. So let's look at some of the books coming down in March, and let's start out with Alter Ego number 76. This is going to be a Joe Simon special featuring a Fighting American cover by Joe as he's interviewed in depth by Jim Amash. Learn never-before-revealed secrets behind the creation of Captain America, Fighting American, Stuntman, Adventures of the Fly, Sick Magazine, and more in this spectacular issue-filling talk fest with one of the titans of the golden age of comics. The interview also spotlights art by Jack Kirby, Bill Powell, Al Williamson, Jerry Gandinetti, George Tuska, and many other greats from the comics history. Plus, there's PC Hammerlink's Fawcett Collectors of America, with Mark Swayze, C.C. Beck, and others, T. Gilbert and Mr. Monster's Comic Crypt and more, edited by Roy Thomas. This book is going to be coming out March 12th and have a cover price of $6.95. Back Issue Magazine number 27 is next up, and it features comic book royalty. The turbulent waters of the 70s and 80s career of DC's King of the Seven Seas Aquaman are explored as are those of his Marvel counterpart, Prince Namor the Submariner. Mike W. Barr and Brian Boland discuss King Arthur and Camelot 3000 in an exclusive pro-to-pro -pro interview. A variety of comic pros tell us why Jack Kirby was the king, and we ask the question, Dr. Doom, Monarch, or Menace? Also, Don McGregor focuses on the Black Panther, an exclusive Alan Weiss art gallery and spotlights of Aaron, Lord of Atlantis. And even the musician known as Prince had his own comic book series. Featuring art and commentary by Jim Apero, Marv Wolfman, Gene Colan, Paul Cooperberg, and others. With a splashy Aquaman Mira cover by Nick Carty. This, of course, is edited by Michael Urie. And Mike will stop by in a few minutes to tell us more about this great magazine. This is coming out March 12th and have a cover price of $6.95. 
Next up, Modern Masters. We're up to volume 16, this time featuring Mike Allred. A few short years into his blossoming career, Mike Allred struck just the right chord and introduced his hip pro-inspired creation, Madman. The series won the Harvey Award for Best New Series, and from there, Allred was well on his way, going on to create the Atomics with the critically acclaimed Red Rocket 7, as well as illustrate the fan-favorite X-Force and Ecstatic series for Marvel Comics. So pull on your go-go boots and do the Watusi. It's time to explore the weird and wonderful way-out world of Mike Allred. This 120-page book features a profusely illustrated career and encompassing interview with Allred, and a full-color section spotlighting the exquisite coloring of Mike's wife and partner, the award-winning Laura Allred. Plus, there's a lengthy art gallery and tons of rare and unpublished art by a true modern master, Mike Allred. It's a 120-page trade paperback. It'll retail for $14.95 and be in stores Wednesday, March 19th. The Best of Draw Volume 3 collects more of the best tutorials and interviews from Draw, the professional how-to magazine on comics and cartooning. Editor Mike Manley has loaded this colossal volume full of invaluable information, making it a must-have for anyone interested in improving their art skills. Some of the guys featured in this magazine include Mike Rowingo, Brett Elevens, Bill Ray, Mike Manley himself, Stephen DiStefano, Celia Cal, and Alberto Ruiz. The Best of Draw Volume 3 is $29.95 and will be in stores Wednesday, March 19th. Finally, wrapping it up in the month of March, we have the Titans Companion Volume 2, and I'm a big fan of these companion books. I own quite a few of them, and I do plan on getting this one. Following the footsteps of its predecessor, the Titans Companion Volume 2 picks up where Volume 1 left off, covering the return of the Teen Titans to the top of the sales charts. Featuring interviews with Jeff Johns, Peter David, Phil Jimenez, and others, it also contains an in-depth section of the top-rated Cartoon Network series. Read what the producers and staff of the show have to say about adapting the Titans to the small screen, plus Chuck Dixon, Mark Wade, Carl Kiesel, and John Byrne on writing the current generation of Titans. More with Marv Wolfman and George Perez, Neil Adams on redesigning Robin, artwork by Adams, Byrne, Jimenez, Perez, and more, with an all-new cover by Mike McCone, and the Titans Companion completes any Titans fans collection. This will be out in stores Wednesday, March 19th, and have a cover price of $14.95. So speaking of that back issue magazine, let's get to the interview right now with Michael Urie. All right, joining me right now is Michael Urie, and he is the editor of Back Issue, and number 27 is coming out, I believe it's uh, March 12th. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Good. Well, you know, uh, 27 is our comic book royalty issue, and that's when we're going to celebrate the kings, the queens, the barons, and the princes of comics of the 70s and 80s. So you're going to start off with uh, Aquaman and Namor and Doctor Doom, I take it, because they're all kings of their respective countries? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Aquaman and, and Namor share a couple of things in common, obviously. Uh, but one thing from the back issue perspective is that in the 70s and 80s, their careers were like constantly changing. They they had a magazine, then they didn't have a magazine. Then they had a miniseries, they didn't have a miniseries, and they appeared here and there. 
And so uh, our articles in each of those characters takes a look at uh, uh, the roiling waters that uh, their series were during the 70s and 80s. And you also have, uh, I see Mike Barr is going to be involved in this uh, feature? Absolutely. Uh, Mike Barr is in this issue. He uh, and Brian Ballin are interviewed in what we call a pro-to-pro interview, you know, a chat between creators. And uh, since the theme of the issue is comic book royalty, uh, they're talking about King Arthur and Camelot 3000, which uh, back in the mid-'80s was, or early-'80s was uh, one of the most influential maxi-series of the day, and uh, Balin's art is absolutely amazing, and we are printing some of his uh, roughs, cover roughs and designs and uh, a few things like that that have not seen print before, as well as a few images and covers that have seen print that are just too pretty not to print again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, one of the things, uh, you know, I have to bring this up. Uh, are we ever going to get a nice collected edition of Black Panther or Namor, you think? Because, boy, I'm just waiting for, for those guys to get a nice essential out of Marvel. Well, you know, they've kind of like I've been plagued by a, a, a second banana yeah. status. And, uh, you know, both characters are really, really strong. I mean, uh, maybe when Back Issue does articles on them that could put them on the radars of somebody at Marvel to consider collecting some of this material. Uh, the stuff that we're looking at with uh, the Black Panther is, is 70 stories that were written by uh, a writer named Don McGregor, who uh, worked with uh, an artist who's no longer with us named Billy Graham. And uh, these guys were doing stories that were sort of racially charged for the era. I mean, there was a long story arc that McGregor and Graham did that actually had the Black Panther fighting the Klan. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, back during the day, I mean, back in the 70s, uh, you know, the, uh, we weren't quite as aware as a culture. And uh, the, these stories were very controversial, but uh, you know, we take a look at them and have some of the Billy Graham art. So I would love to see that particular story arc collected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Namor, Submariner, he's been in and out of comics for so long. His, uh, you know, his overall series that he had in the 60s and 70s uh, was kind of hit and miss. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that, <laughs> with you being uh, so knowledgeable about collected editions, you know that uh, when you get some of these stories collected, uh, you might not read every single one, but they're, not, they're nice to have in a, you know, archivist perspective. Right, right. So who else is involved in this magazine? I see, uh, well, as far as, you're, you're doing a feature on Prince, the artist, uh, musician Prince, right? Absolutely, yeah. The artist formerly known, and I guess... Currently known? Currently known <laughs> as Prince, yeah. He, uh, uh, he, he's kind of a living comic book in a way, if you think about it. You know, the big mm-hmm. uh, you know, pompadour hair, the, you know, the purple uh, clothing and different you know, flamboyant clothing that he's worn. But, uh, yeah, twice uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, there have been efforts uh, through D.C., which, of course, is part of the Warner Brothers family, which you know, Prince is a part of, to do Prince comic books, to sort of have this marriage uh, between music and comics. And so you know, Prince was more or less a superhero mm-hmm. in these two one-shots, and uh, we take a look at those. And uh, you know, Dwayne McDuffie was uh, involved as writer of both of those, and he gives some of his insights in, into how it happened and what it was like to work with Prince. And uh, there's another um, r- music star in back issue 27, the, the king of rock and roll, Elvis, 
there's a really nice article about his obsession with Captain Marvel Jr. Um, really? And until I read this article, I wasn't aware of how deep it ran. But uh, I never yeah, knew that. Weird, uh, uh, yeah, all the weird Vegas stuff that he was doing in the 70s with uh, you know the strange flamboyant costumes, they were all sort of based on Captain Marvel Jr.'s really? uh, costume because he was a big fan of that as a kid back in the uh, 1940s. That's I guess I, I never put the two and two together. That's that's interesting. Yeah, there's a few images there that'll kind of show you that um, when you well, actually yeah. see the like the you know you think about Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel Junior's capes, for example, they've mm-hmm. got the embroidery and stuff, and then think about the cape that Elvis wore, uh, you know, when he had yeah. a jumpsuit in the 70s, and uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> he he definitely uh, borrowed his look from That's Captain funny. Marvel Junior. Huh. And yeah, they're um, uh, extracted comments from different interviews where uh, people in Elvis' circle had talked about Elvis' fascination with comics, and particularly this one character. And, uh, yeah, this is a really interesting article, and even though Elvis kind of goes back a little, you know, farther into the past than uh, back issue usually looks, uh, you know, in the 70s, uh, Captain Marvel Jr., you know, through the Shazam series with Captain Marvel kind of had a renaissance and a revival, so uh, it's, it's timely in that perspective, and it's just a really cool article. That's interesting that he would do that because there were well Elvis was in well in his mid 30s at the time but in the 1960s there were there was no Captain Marvel comic whatsoever I mean it was in the 40s and 50s and that skipped right into the 70s when DC uh settled all the disputes with Fawcett and re- right. re- revitalized yeah, the character but, I'm sorry I didn't mean to jump on you there That's um, right. yeah but you're absolutely right yeah but Elvis kept it dear to his heart and um yeah, it uh, <laughs> it stuck with him as a fashion statement, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so I guess you might actually say that he actually revived Captain Marvel Jr. before DC brought back Captain Marvel and Shazam. Huh. <laughs> Thank you, Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I see. Uh, we also have a uh, an exclusive Alan Weiss um, art gallery, I believe. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, he is just a a, a really talented. And uh, I think underrated artist, and uh, we have uh, six pages of pinups by him, and uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And uh, uh, a couple of them involve characters that are featured in the issue, uh, like Submariner and uh, and Black Panther. But uh, he's got uh, a few uh, nice, good girl pinups and a few original characters there too, and uh, a beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, a couple of the other comic book royalty we have in the issue is um, Dr. Doom, mm-hmm. who of course is the Lord of Latveria. And the article is called uh, Dr. Doom Monarch or Monster. And uh, it looks at how the people of Latveria have you know, benefited from his iron hand, ooh, that's a bad pun, uh, <laughs> rule, but how the character progressed through the 60s, 70s, and 80s as a, as a monarch, and as uh, there, there's some degree of benevolence to him when it comes to how he is lorded over his people because they they kind of march in step, but they haven't suffered. It's not sort of it's not like the vision of apocalypse you might have with dark side, you know, and people sort of like hell on. Earth or Hell on Apocalypse, mm-hmm. uh, where people writhe in pain and that type of thing and are uh, you know tortured uh, 
people live a little more at peace in uh, Doom's Latveria, but again, they really don't have their freedom as sort of an artificial construct. Well, if I recall, he always, he had an embassy with the United Nations, didn't he? Didn't he have an embassy in New York City? Well, he and had uh, yeah diplomatic immunity. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, so he could. That, that was always like the bane of the FF's existence because he could at times you know march around Manhattan with this great diplomatic immunity uh, provided to him because of his uh, you know we'll monarch the, status. Play that card. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But uh, and they knew he was guilty of this or that, but they really couldn't bust him. Um, yeah, so that was always an interesting dynamic. And uh, yeah, Stan Lee is uh, one person who was interviewed for this article, and he uh, has a few insights into that. that that's, that's one of the fun things that we do with the back issue articles is you know, bring in people from different eras to look at uh, characters and how they've developed and what roles they played, and and also we'll frequently talk to people who are more contemporary as writers and artists and have them look back at some of the stuff that influenced them when they were kids and readers and how they pull from that or were inspired by that and what they're doing today. Uh, there's a couple of other things, too, in that uh, issue. Uh, two other royalties that we're celebrating. There's uh, Arion, Lord of Atlantis, which was a really interesting, uh, beautifully drawn uh, backup strip originally in the Warlord, and then it spun off into its own comic in um, in the 80s, and it uh, really kind of gave you know magical backstory to the Atlantis that Aquaman ended up inhabiting. And then uh, there's also Baron Winters, who is the you know, dark and mysterious uh, you know Lord of the Night Force, which was uh, a comic that Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan did at. Um, D.C. in mm -hmm. the 80s, and both of them are interviewed for this particular article looking at that comic. Excellent. And we have commentary by Wolfman. Mar Wolfman is in commentary, and I Absolutely. see some others. Yep, uh, Wolfman. Uh, we have Gene Colan. We have uh, commentary uh, in the Aquaman piece by uh, a, a lot of comments from Paul Levitz, who, of course, is president and publisher of D.C. today, but uh, early in his D.C. career, he was the assistant editor on uh, Aquaman Revivals and later became the writer of Aquaman and then later the editor again. And uh, uh, David Michelinie, who wrote a lot of uh, Aquaman stories, is in that, as well as uh, a number of people who worked on the character later, including Mark Wade and Keith Giffen. And uh, a lot of beautiful art, Jim Apero, uh, Nick Carty, Dick Giordano, uh, with Aquaman, and uh, yeah, it's uh, we even look at Super Friends, which uh, mm. <laughs> was part of the the Aquaman uh, phenomenon, of course, in the 70s and 80s. That's that's actually where most people would have known the character. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, conversely, with all of this media exposure, because of Super Friends, the the guy could not hold a comic book for long right. during this period. Yeah, and that's you know sort of what we explore is uh, you know, swimming in and out of the pages of comics. Do you go into the Golden Age Aquaman and Submariner, or is it more of a Silver Age and Modern Age? It's like late Silver Age and uh, yeah, Bronze and, and Modern Age. Okay. Yeah, I uh, there's a few things that we kind of back off of in in back issue usually uh, because our big sister magazine is Alter Ego. Right. Alter Ego, you know, really covers the Golden and Silver Age, and so you know, more or less, we pick up around 1970 and, okay. and start to move forward from that. And, 
Yeah, which is a good time. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, the '70s and the '80s were you know, really influential. I mean, in the '70s, they you did all this, had all this weird stuff in comics, though, that just doesn't seem to go away. It keeps coming back. I mean, uh, we had these black exploitation comics of the '70s, you know, that actually gave us a lot of really good characters in the long run, but uh, you know, they were kind of cliche at the beginning, like you know, Luke Cage. Uh, but uh, yeah, over time, he's really been developed into uh, more than just shaft as a superhero which is what he was when they when he came out in the 70s and uh then you had uh you know the kung fu trend of the 70s which uh you know really gave us some strong stuff with uh, shang chi you know a master of kung fu and so yeah the 70s is really an influential period you had your first uh graphic novels and miniseries come up then i mean stuff that we all just kind of take for granted now mm-hmm. uh this stuff wasn't around until the 70s and then the 80s and you know, miniseries developing uh Nobody did a miniseries. If you had a miniseries, that means your series flopped because it got canceled right. after just a few issues. So, yeah, the, what we know as comics today really came about during this period. That's exciting. We're looking forward to it. Uh, who's doing the cover for the uh, for this issue, and who was featured? Oh, my goodness. You know, I did not mention that, and uh, I am have to punch myself for that. Uh, Nick Cardi uh, did the cover to Back Issue 27. It features Aquaman and Mira, and it's absolutely nice. beautiful. Uh, yeah, Nick drew Aquaman for the majority of the 60s and early 70s, and uh, he um, yeah, a couple of uh, uh, commission pieces of Aquaman that are also in the issue that he did that haven't seen print elsewhere, and, uh, and a previously unpublished cover uh, is there as well. So, yeah, some work from him. And then Jim Apero was his uh, the successor on Aquaman at DC, and we have a number of uh, Apero art pieces in the uh, issue as well. And unfortunately, Mr. Apero is no longer around and couldn't participate in the issue firsthand. But, uh, yeah, his, his stuff was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Good deal. Well, we can expect this book to come out on Wednesday, March 12th for 7 bucks, and it's going to be 100 pages long. That's right. Good deal. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Chris. Thanks for asking, and uh, thanks uh, for following Back Issue. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Mike, for joining me on that interview. I really appreciate it. And for all of you, that'll about do it for the show this week, but I do want to remind you, if you out there have any questions or comments regarding this podcast or tomorrow's publishing, please shoot me an email at clickedcomicslibrary at gmail.com. Again, my name is Chris Marshall. And I'll have all the pertinent information in the show notes over at tomorrows.com. Just click on the TuneIn Podcast link on the right-hand side of the page. So until next time, everybody, please visit tomorrows.com. And uh, don't forget to pre-order that Jack Kirby Collector number 50. It's going to be a really great book. See you later.